noticing the natural settling process Trusting this experience of the body, sitting, making peace with the way it is this morning. It's always nice in these transitions from sitting to walking, from walking to sitting, or any transition where we're beginning again to check the attitude, just acknowledge the mind is in a rushing mode or closed down, disconnected. And to remember the attitude of kindness This correction or this shift in attitude is an important part of the work we do on retreat. We'll talk more about it during the retreat. But in your own way now, exploring the possibility of a simple, kind attitude even in a simple way in terms of how we're relating to the body now. This attitude of kindness is very much related to the instruction to relax. We can always take care of this body and mind with this willingness to be kind, this willingness to relax, including those times when we're relaxing, we're being kind with whatever remains tight. So in a simple way, this is a third of our practice, deepening this value of kindness and relaxation, remembering this value, this attitude, that it's okay to relax, it's okay to be kind and forgiving and patient. And the other instruction or value is this quality of interest. And it's really useful to lead with the relaxation and the kindness as the first instruction, because it really informs the quality of the interest, the alertness. It's not tight, it's not hungry, leaning forward. It's a more receptive, open kind of interest. A willingness to receive, a willingness of the sensitive heart, a willingness for the heart of the heart to be touched. To allow things to move, to allow 
the heart to feel what's here in the moment, to recognize, acknowledge, and allow things to come and go as if for the first time. So we have this relaxed and kind attitude in regards to the body and mind. We value interest, alertness, openness, arising out of a simple that powerful desire to want to connect, to want to understand things as they are. And this interest is expressed in the simple understanding like collecting data This is being known. This experience of the body, the breath, this experience of the mind, thought, is something being known here and now. So in your own heart, mind, and body, just experiment with this attitude, this quality of interest, how the mind can be interested without being tight or controlling. This more open or receptive interest wanting to see, wanting to understand what hasn't been clearly seen or understood before. And you'll notice a quality of humility with this instruction around interest. Remember, you can be working with the anchors if you choose, feeling the whole body just as it is, or feeling the sensations of the breath moving in the body in and out, using sound, hearing, or whatever experience in any moment is predominant.
So then again, all we're doing is strategically remembering the possibility of this attitude of kindness and relaxation and remembering this quality of interest, receptive interest. in a way that supports the settling of the heart in a more clear and continuous mindful awareness. And then finally, we can marry these first two qualities, the relaxed and kind and interested qualities, with the wisdom quality of non-grasping, recognizing the present moment as a natural process No need for grasping. So the first two qualities are really about intimacy. And the wisdom, the third factor, is really about non-grasping. So the practice is a coming together of intimacy and non-grasping. and how they work together.
or developing our own confidence arising right out of our practice in these three aspects relating with kindness and relaxation, cultivating interest, a receptive interest, and using the wisdom teachings, training the mind to perceive or see the experience as a natural process in a way that supports the letting go of attachment. So if you notice the mind getting stuck or caught up, then you can apply these three aspects of the practice. There's obsessive thinking or worrying, for example, Let's see if there's a way to be interested, to be kind, to relax, and to bring this view that this is just nature. Sometimes the mind gets obsessive and it feels like this. And when these three qualities are somewhat in balance, And just acknowledge what's here with the obstacle. Maybe hasn't been seen clearly before. Is it safe to open, to acknowledge what's here? It's being felt, to allow it. And then as the mind, the heart is willing to allow the experience, is there any need for reactivity? Just check any need for any fixed view? Is the obstacle, does it need to be a problem even if it is unpleasant? In other words, is it safe to be kind and relaxed, interested, seeing it as a natural process? This is how we open to what we might call obstacles to the continuity of awareness. So we're gonna continue now in silence.
to <clears throat> adjust the body. We have a few minutes for questions about the practice, about the instructions. Yes. So the comment is about bringing the attitude of kindness and interest to the experience of unpleasantness. And then the question, I guess, is, and if that unpleasantness persists, and that is the question. (laughs) Because it's a common experience for us to have unpleasantness, whether it is more of unpleasantness in terms of the mental activity, the content of the mind, emotions, or the unpleasantness of the body, restlessness, or sleepiness, or pain. And there's this third component too, which is the kind and relaxed presence, the receptive alertness, interest. And then we're bringing in this wise view, skillfully, where when there's enough balance, we're practicing, it's like practicing seeing the unpleasantness as a natural process, something that is coming and going lawfully due to many impersonal things that are emotion, aspects of the body and mind that are emotion. And so then that creates some possibilities for not so much the unpleasantness, but how the mind relates to the unpleasantness. And this this is a little subtle, but the experience of knowing something that's unpleasant is a constructed event. So part of it is the actual experience that's being known, let's say physical discomfort. But part of the experience of unpleasantness is how the mind is relating or what that what the mind imagines the unpleasantness is. And the two together makes that experience that we call, oh, this is unpleasant. So it's not just set. That's sort of what our ordinary mind thinks when we're experiencing something unpleasant. That That's what I mentioned last night about that arrogant certainty. I think I know what this is. This is unpleasant. So there's a real important when these three are together, there's a real important quality of humility. Without humility, we're not, the mind's not actually interested in opening and seeing more clearly, seeing what it hasn't seen before. So if there's not that quality of humility, then just keep whatever you feel might need a reminding, you know, whether it's the kindness and relaxation or the interest more a powerful degree of being open or receiving of the experience, and then bringing in this wise view. Is this me or is this just something coming and going, some impersonal process playing itself out? Is it skillful? We're not kind of looking for the right answer as much as noticing the effect of bringing that wise view in. Does it help? Is it a skillful way of being interested and kind with this experience? Does it really help the first two, in a sense? And the interesting thing is when we begin, and this often, and we'll talk more about this as the week goes on, about the underlying feeling that's there with experience, like the underlying feeling of unpleasantness. But when we really can be actually kind and intimate and interested in the unpleasantness, is there really a need for it to be a problem anymore or for there to be any resistance? The resistance is there until we're fully willing to open and feel what's here. And then it's already, in a sense, we don't need the resistance anymore because it's been allowed in, allowed to move, 
allowed to reveal itself. I'm not saying that's easy for all experience, but it gives us a sense of the direction. And then one last piece of working with unpleasant experience, again, whether it's mental or physical, internal or external, like a bothersome sound, is sometimes it's skillful to turn away from the unpleasantness. Because understanding that this unpleasant experience that may be predominant, sort of front and center in terms of what's what's sort of the big experience in the moment, it's a really interesting move to choose to pay attention to something neutral or something else in that moment. That's a nice time, for example, to open to hearing, including, if necessary, if useful, to open the eyes even, seeing hearings like this, something more spacious and more neutral. And in a way, it can challenge the sense of taking the unpleasantness and making it something personal. Because if it was personal, I'd pay attention to that. But by choosing to open, to turn the attention to something else, it's a way of playing with that wise view. Yeah, it's unpleasantness, and this is also being known. This is also how it is. And that can change the mind's relationship to the unpleasantness, looking away, just as we can transform the mind's relationship to the unpleasantness by unpacking it, allowing it to unpack, feeling what's underneath it, becoming familiar with the underlying feeling, realizing that it's safe to be intimate and interested and kind with that unpleasantness. So there's more than one way to experiment when we're faced with persistent unpleasantness, which is common. Part of what we're learning to Um, be skilled with is the unpleasant experiences that come our way. And hopefully in times, it's just as challenging to know, to learn how to be skillful with the pleasant, the inner joy, the calm, the beauty that will hopefully also arise during the retreat. Thanks for that comment. Yes, please. Uh, The risk of a gross oversimplification if you think of the three three quality practices that you're describing, um, could you put them actually in a kind of circle? And I'll give you an example of what I experienced, which was if you go from relaxation, relaxed, relaxation and kindness to attentive inquiry to wisdom, at one point I had, I was, had a, a thought uh, that everything is gone. And so that was, and then I thought about this practice of wisdom, of non-attachment, and that this feeling is actually not personal. And every person on the earth at times has had this sort of feeling. And having had that, then I went back to the first quality, which is relax, relaxation and a, a kindness, to say, to really to hold the mind like a baby at that point. So would that be a useful way of working? Yeah, so the comment is about using the three qualities that I mentioned last night and this morning as a circle and uh, not in a particular linear way, right? And I think that's, that's exactly right. I mean, we often teach some of the Buddhist teachings in the way that it was mapped out in a somewhat linear way. And so the instructional piece may make the map seem more linear or prescribed, but the idea is developing an array of skills that we then use in a very creative and dynamic way, moment to moment in our practice. Because we want to always be teasing out being the somebody who has to do it right. And more and more, we're learning that even the mind being skillful with the experience is part of that natural process. You know, that you noticed how the mind Right, so that it wasn't even you sort of reflecting, bringing the wisdom in, and then noticing the kindness. But that also was that organic, 
natural process that we call, I mean, generally we refer to this, these three qualities as that wise mindful awareness or that coming together of wisdom and awareness practice practices. And it really is a creative unfolding. So you'll see one of the reasons there are five of us in the front of the room is to put out different perspectives. And it can be cumbersome actually to hear different voices, even as much as we're trying to relay some of the teachings of the Buddha, but the different voices are different practice experiences. You'll hear a lot of different perspectives. And so it's in a way a burden on everyone to receive them and in the, you know, in your own direct experience of your mind and body to try them out. And that's what I meant in the instructions about becoming independent and learning how to, learning what works basically to have an honest, clear, intimate connection, ongoing connection, ongoing knowing of the present moment and integrating this possibility of non-attachment, experimenting with this possibility of non-attachment. Maybe time for one more. Yeah, please. A question about working with pleasant experiences. Um, I noticed myself doing just a habitual thinking around landscape design, which is just delicious in my mind and beautiful and relaxing. And so I asked myself, is there, oh, well, here's that again. Is there something I don't know about this to expand on the curiosity? And I had a sense that um, it's it's a way to buffer that uncomfortable feeling of groundlessness and not knowing, and that perhaps I use it or find it a way to stabilize myself in referencing the world. Can you talk about that a little bit? Mm-hmm. So you might have heard, um, but this person was saying uh, about pleasant experience and landscaping was sort of where the mind goes. And uh, it'd be interesting, even in your comment, was the pleasantness there first, and then the mind used the thinking of landscaping projects, or was there the thread of landscaping that generated the pleasantness? It's sort of an interesting question. But the comment was that maybe the proliferating with the the pleasant thoughts of landscaping was a way of masking the ungrounded quality that might be there underneath. And of course, you can find out whether that's true. Just being, that's the interest, you know, that receptive, alert, interest, interested presence. It, it wants to see both the breadth and the depth. And it's like the one pure desire that's helpful in the practice, the desire to want to see clearly, to want to connect deeply, to want to understand fully, to see what's not being seen. And I mentioned that quality of humility. And um, the interesting thing about some of the inner pleasure that happens in practice, it has an expansive quality. And it can be an acquired taste, right, to go right to that expansive quality of inner pleasure. It wants to fill the space of the mind and body. And that if the mind develops a competence, a confidence to be with that inner joy, inner pleasure, that expansive quality, then you might find you don't need a storyline to occupy the mind, that you trust that expansion. And it, it does transform how the moment is, right? So we, it's like an acquired taste, learning that it's safe for things to expand and to learn to relax with it, and to be interested in it, and to see that expansion also as a natural process. Oh, you know, this is how it is now. So we need to leave it here and just a couple of announcements you probably noticed. Hopefully you're checking the board at least once a day. So uh, Julie, the manager, put up the small groups for today and we'll be meeting at 9.30 and at 10.45. And you'll meet with each teacher. So half of the people will meet today, half will meet tomorrow, 
And then, I guess that would be Tuesday morning, the first group that's meeting today, you'll meet with a different teacher, and then on like that. So, um, we'll have groups of eight or nine people. And so, probably, but we're not sure if everyone will get a chance to speak, but you'll see if for those who are new to these small groups, there's really a lot of benefit in being in a group with other people. We learn so much from other people reporting honestly, clearly what they're experiencing in their walking, in their sitting practice, during transitions, as they observe the heart and mind and body and experiences, seeing things they haven't seen before, experiences of challenges to the practice, what seems to be getting in the way. So there's a lot of benefit in these small groups. We encourage everybody to show up. And then uh, also today, starting at 6.15, we'll have our first affinity group for people who identify as people of color. 6.15, one of our teachers, Sistine Devin, will be there to kick off that group. And then tomorrow, Monday evening at 6.15, there will be an affinity group for the LGBTQ communities. So um, keep that in mind, and Julie will post that every day. Devin will be also there tomorrow evening to initiate that group. And then thank you for signing up to be practice leaders, those of you who have signed up. And there's a small gong. Is it off to your side or? Oh, it's off in this corner here. So some of you might just choose to take, if you're a practice leader, the gong to your seat and take one of the clocks if you don't have one and just ring the bell. So if you don't see anybody sitting up here, the teachers won't be here during the open sitting times. Um, But you can just feel sure that the practice leader has your back and somebody will ring the bell at the end of the sitting time. So thank you for signing up for those. Deborah will be leading the loving kindness practice group at 345 this afternoon. And we'll have that every day through Friday this guided instruction and loving kindness practice, just to support this very essential attitude of kindness really helps us to go beyond any habits some of us have of being controlling and aversive and, you know, having ill will. So wishing everyone a really good day of practice.